chapter 11, the cypress tree in the garden. Someone asked Xiao Zhu, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Xiao Zhu replied, the cypress tree in the garden. No, Emily is unmuted, so she gets to go first. Um, How would you have done in school with this kind of answer? Um, well, school probably would ask me if I was on drugs. <laughs> I had to um I had to look up Bodhidharma. I don't know I didn't know who Bodhidharma was. Um, you want to tell us a little about him? So far as I could tell, he um is thought to have come somewhere from the west. From um, from India. Yeah, like Persia, India. To China. To China. And he's credited with teaching the Shaolin monks getting them in shape <laughs> and that's all i know about him and this he was is... very saucy like he would answer questions like Zhao Zhu. he was very disturbed that uh he would fall asleep when he was meditating so he cut his eyelids off and he threw them into the ground and then tea came from that and then he realized if you drink tea, you don't fall asleep. <laughs> so you don't have to cut your eyelids off. So that's where tea came from. We have a, a white statue of him on the altar. Mm. He was a tough one. I'm sure we'll read some Bodhidharma stories. But what about this idea of um, of answering a question like this? I, I mean, I always presumed it was um, somebody saying you're asking the wrong question, so I'm just going to give you a random answer. I don't know. Sometimes someone will say something like, uh, so why don't you love me? Or why aren't you my friend anymore? Mm -hmm. And trying to do a very succinct answer never does it, does it? Never really says it. And we're supposed to believe the kind of uh, logical answer they give, where it's really something deeper, isn't it? Not that this is deeper, necessarily, but it's certainly talking about how we um, you know, we, ha we have a succinct answer, and then we think we understand to anything. Mm -hmm. 
like even the, the whole idea of the cause of death. That's why I, I've been thinking about this Indian man who came to death and practice years ago at Appamata, and he kept repeating the idea that the cause of death was birth. And I just love that. You know, it's inevitable, right? Once you do that first thing of being born. That was clear. Melda? Yes. So why why do what, what do you think of all this? Well, if when I see why did Bodhidharma come from the from the West, my the first thought that came up was how is that relevant? And now you've given sort of a uh, the other side of the coin. It's so deep, and there's so many layers to that. You can't really answer it in a in a succinct way. But at the same time, why he came or didn't come, or what road he took, or I mean, really, why is that relevant? Is what I'm wondering. Like. Why did I walk in Appamata's door? So why is that relevant? I mean, to I'm here. I'm that's how I, I look at it. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm always wrong about these koans, which is lovely. So, so relevant, another another word like Linda was scolding me earlier, and she does like every week of my life that I'm thinking too much or. You know, is this a question that really should be asked? Exactly. And so the answer is, don't don't look at all the whys. To me, Xiaozhou's answer is, don't look at all the whys. I mean, what's the relevance of that? Let's sit in the present, the cypress tree in the garden. Let's look at, you know, I'm... And that that assumes that they are um, near the cypress tree in the garden or looking at it or in its presence. But I don't know. We'll see. Milan? So... Um... What I got was the cypress tree in the garden sounded to me like a, like a mantra. And based on my personal trip right now, <laughs> I, I recently visited the Rothko Chapel, as you know, and it is just in my mind and in my current experience. And next to it in, the, in this collection, manual collection, there's a tree which, which branch, it is absolutely unique because it falls, it is giant one and falls to the ground and continues over there like three meters. So I just remember that and I kept in my small meditation, mm -hmm. repeating the cypress trees in the garden just as a mantra and that's what I got. Okay. And Cody? Is Cody still here? I'm oh, sorry, I had to step away for a second. Oh. 
Yeah, I repeat. Would, well, would you have I a lot answer? of questions, Cody. You know, you've had a, 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 a lot of experiences. And then you probably had a lot of questions about why did things happen? Why are we at war? Why do people die? Why do people get uh, injured? I have, yeah, I have Does it help when you have answers? Or do you have any answers? Uh, not really. Uh, I guess you never really find uh, an answer. Uh, I guess you could say the answer that you're looking for. You know, uh, versus uh, what you what you actually need to hear. So, like like you say, uh, why do people die? The answer I would want to hear would be a lot different from <laughs> the answer that I should hear. If you understand what I'm saying, what would be the answer that you'd want to hear? Uh, some to the effect of like maybe they don't die, you know. But <clears throat> some would say we don't we don't know, but then some some would say you know it's absolute. It's, a, it's an absolute uh, thing that once we check out, we check out. That's it. Okay, let's read. Emily, would you reread the koan? Oops. Chapter 11, the cypress tree in the garden. Someone asked Jaju, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Xiaoju replied, the cypress tree in the garden. Uh, the trouble with ancestors. Learn about pines from the pine and about bamboo from the bamboo. Matsuo Basho's advice to poets. Sometimes it might be useful to step outside of the stream of time and meet the minds of the wise who died long ago. The Zen ancestors who stumble, had stumbled on a method to change the heart. And the problem they had was to pass on what they had discovered. There wasn't an obvious way to do this, so they invented koans. The idea is that when you spend time with a koan, it will give back the radiance in the heart of the one who made it. Koans might be imagined as vials of ancient light. There is one strange thing about meeting ancestors in this way. When they reach down across night and the years to give you their light, you might find that what you have been given is your own light, something that belongs to you. Here is a koan about what is handed down. Yes, I'm next. The koan. The koan begins with a man who wanted to touch something real and went to a teacher for assistance. <clears throat> he did not imagine that much of value might be found in his own life 
and he thought that he had to reach far away and long ago to arrive at a starting point for the connection he sought. So he asked a question about a long dead spiritual ancestor. Someone asked Zhao Zhou, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Zhao Zhou replied, the cypress tree in the garden. Working with the koan. The setup here is that the man wants to connect to spiritual great grandparent. And Zazu offers a tree in the garden. As if to say, you don't have to reach so far away. Since the story of this koan begins with Zazu, the teacher, the, Zazu, the teacher who sent the koan off on its long journey down to us, it is a little about him. When Zhao was a teenager in the 1700s, he left his city, a place called Lucky Image. Apparently, the real estate developer's impulse that gave California so many paradise drives is an old one. The boy made the trek to a teacher called Nanquan, who was said to know something about how the world is put together. The teacher was lying down resting, but like a celebrity, receiving visitors and doing business from his bed. This sight was not something the boy had expected and he found it gratifying. He wanted to feel that he was entering a new realm. Where are you from, young man? The teacher asked. Lucky image. So did you see the image? Asked the teacher. Xiaozhou felt the conversation was already starting to tilt, which was what he had hoped for. No, but I see a Buddha lying down. The teacher laughed and sat up. Well, do you have a teacher then? I'm glad to see that you are feeling a bit better, sir, said Xiaozhou. And that's how he found himself a teacher. He stayed for 40 years. In his late fifties, Zhaozhou went for a 20 year wander, visiting other teachers. He liked stand up routine. And one of his favorite conversations went like this. You're getting old. Haven't you thought of settling down? Where should I settle down, Zhaozhu reply. Well, I have a cottage I could give you. Use it yourself. And he strolled off toward the next temple, the next conversation. One day, this familiar and enjoyable game took a different course. Aren't you a bit long in the tooth to be wondering about like this? Where would I settle down? Are you so old that you don't know? Zhaozhu laughed and said, I've been training horses for 30 years and today I was kicked by a donkey. <laughs> According to the records, when he finally stopped wandering, Zhaozhu taught for nearly 40 years. He couldn't predict what Zhaozhu would do. When he was very old, the leg broke on his elaborate teaching chair. 
He wouldn't uh, let anyone mend it properly, but had a branch tied to the wooden leg so he could continue to use it. He said that this was because he didn't want his students to waste time from their meditation, but no one believed him. A more likely reason was that he liked the broken leg, splinters sticking out, and the rough branch bound to it. It made the chair more interesting. This, this, he thought when he looked at it. He seemed to enjoy whatever was happening and was a good host to whatever guest arrived. If it was cold, he enjoyed the winter and the fire. If it was hot, he liked walking at evening. If he was happy, he laughed. If sad, he was just sad. He didn't clench up against life. Having a perfect chair was all right, but having a tree branch tied to the leg of a chair was even more all right. Like others who enjoy being amused, Zhao was a counterpuncher. It was good to ask him questions. His stories were tiny anti-history, anti, I don't know that word, anti-stories. Anti no definition. Defeating the stories you might expect to hear and his words went on working after a conversation was over. Back to the koan of the cypress tree. You can come at it through either the question or the answer. First, let's take the path through the question. The legendary founder of Zen in China was the red-headed, blue-eyed barbarian from India called Bodhidharma. So why did Bodhidharma travel all the way to China to teach? Or you might ask, what stories do you carry out of the past? Who are your ancestors and how do they open or close your life for you? Ancestors are people who are involved in disasters and tri triumphs and who provide you with possibilities about who you might be. Even if you know nothing of your family and were raised in an orphanage, that is itself a novel ancestry that you share with many heroes and hero, hero, hero. How do you say that? Heroines. Heroine. Heroines. Heroines. Right? Heroines. Heroines. Okay. Thank you. Heroes and heroines, right? Okay. Thank you. The result of having ancestors is you, along with your legends about how the world came to be. When someone asks Xiao Xiao about ancestors, he gives a sideways response, offering a possibility that wasn't on the surface of the question. He might be saying, you're asking about Bodhidharma as if he were safely in the past. Yet you could meet the cypress tree and your life with Bodhidharma's eyes. If you hold this cypress tree up against your question, you will meet the old barbarian. You could go on your version of the journey he made and make the discoveries he made. In the same way, Xiao Xiao 
might still walk the streets of a modern city. A teacher called Woman said that when a koan opens to you, you actually meet the ancestors. Your eyebrows will be tangled up with theirs. You'll see with the same eyes and hear with the same ears. Won't that be wonderful? If you just see your own kitchen without fear and longing, without veils, then it could be intensely alive. At a moment like that, Bodhidharma is looking at the kitchen. When you look at the counters, the verticality of the walls, the window, the tiles, the precision of the corners of the room, the cypress tree outside, the window, the branches of the law entwined with it and the pickup with big wheels parked in the drive. You are already looking with body armor's eyes. The dustness of things step, steps far out of a surrounding darkness. Whatever you see might seem to have been present from everlasting and to have an exactness and emphatic quality of being precisely what it is. This is not the usual way to think of inheritance. It isn't the armchairs and titles to land that are handed down, but the eyes to see with. An artist found this koan appealing and carried it around with him day and night. He remembered his personal barbarians, his auntie in Los Angeles, who drove a T-Bird convertible, carried a baby bottle full of vodka in the front seat, and came home at dawn in a black dress to crash on the couch in her own living room. He remembered his father who had been an orphan, then a policeman, and always carried a forty-five in his pocket and whose idea of good food was eating three meals a day. While he had thought of these figures as belonging to a life he had escaped, under the influence of the koan, they began to change, became mysterious bearers of questions and kindness. He painted them as Buddhist teachers, versions of Bodhidharma, and wrote their stories on his paintings. And then he looked at trees, his discoveries didn't feel personal. He didn't think them up. It was just that while he kept company with this koan, a larger point of view appeared. He and a tree were both an act of imagination on the part of the universe. In some way, he could honestly say, I am a tree. He also said, with this koan, there was a period when I identified with everything. I could go for a walk downtown and become the styrofoam cup, the tree, the dog, the homeless person. I had always identified with the foreground of life, but now I was identifying with the background. At first I knew that I was the tree, but I didn't know that I was Zhao I went to art school in the days when we used to sketch all the time. One exercise was copying the old masters. So we'd copy Leonardo or Raphael or Corot in precise detail. I started seeing things the way they did. With this koan, I'm copying Zhao Zhou. And through that, he appears, he lives again. 
it's not in some removed way through fame or remembering. He actually becomes me the way the cypress tree does. I'm so glad, Malen, you talked about the tree you saw because that, that took you into the present. Okay, I think Malen's next. This man doesn't change his ancestors or clean them up. He sees them as they are. And as they are, they are beautiful, as beautiful as Bodhidharma or the cypress tree. Malen, do you mind reading a bit more? That was so short. Sure. The artist's story brings us the aspect of ancestors in which they were, they are well known to be dangerous, hanging around where they are not wanted, asking for people to be thrown into volcanoes. Some of the earliest Chinese writings is on oracle bones and tortoise shells that were used for divination. A typical question was, how many prisoners should I sacrifice? There is a tendency to think that the goodness of ancestors is necessary. Yet that can't be true, since everyone has criminal ancestors, ancestors somewhere in the tree. If Hitler was your ancestor, you bear no guilt. If Buddha was your ancestor, you bear no credit. The more you get to know them in a genuine way, as the painter did, the more your relationship with your ancestor grows, ancestors grows and changes and becomes interestingly complex. I'm sorry. Will you go back, Kim, so I can read that sentence correctly, please? The more you get to know them in a genuine way, as the painter did, the more your relationship with your ancestors grows and changes and becomes interestingly complicated. Genghis Khan is a national hero in Mongolia, though not in China. I have navigated using charts drawn by Captain Cook, yet he is not a culture hero to Australian Aborigines. I think Cody's after Nelda. Are we our spiritual ancestors? Uh, yeah. Spiritual ancestors have their own shadowy nature. The Buddha walked out on his wife and kids to look for enlightenment. And there was a Zen master who killed the cat to make a teaching point. And then there are, the, are certain eccentrics, the master who got enlightened at, in a brothel. The master who grew so fed up with teaching the emperor that he went to live anonymously with the beggars under the bridge in Kyoto, but was eventually traced because he had a passion for sweet melons. The shadows of ancestors are not merely a century. Buddhism has plenty of men who loathed women and the body and plenty of warmongers. 
Ancestors provide the range of what it is to be human, the kindness and terror, the shame and forgiveness that you have to come to terms with to be able to bless your life. That's a good, good on, point. Man. I like how uh, you know it talks about the the uh, basically the good and the bad. It doesn't it doesn't downplay uh, one and elevate the other. We I went to a uh, a leadership uh, the kickoff of a leadership program through this foundation um, in Atlanta. This past I went from it was from Wednesday to Saturday. And so my group, we we got the uh, one of the values. It was uh, what was what was the saying? Um, of many, uh, one or something like that. And so what we did was we drew a house and we drew uh, and we wrote on a little a lot of uh sticky notes uh basically like uh values but it wasn't just like good values it was like pain and anger and um you know things like that so basically what the uh the the point of the exercise was, was to show that uh that all these different um these different values and characteristics come together to, to build that foundation, the good and the bad. And supposedly the human realm is the best realm to be born into because it it has this mixture, and in this mixture, there's the opportunity for enlightenment. If there was only kindness and goodness and all that stuff and never any hardship, you wouldn't um, have that ability to work through those things, I guess. Yeah. You know, that last paragraph, I'm sitting with this deep tenderness I'm feeling for my father at the moment. Um, because I tend to accentuate the harm he caused. And I forget the tremendous, and you know, we're each like a river containing many stones, each being a different emotion, different ways of acting, different values. We contain the whole spectrum, each one of us. We'd like to deny that we feel revenge or hate or rage, but we're all each capable of, of all of those. And some people show it more than others, but 
those very people sometimes who show those strong and at times destructive emotions can equally show those strong and creative and affirming acts at the same time in the same body in the same life and the tenderness i'm feeling toward my father is how very much he has given the world in amazing ways how very much i missed a word how very much and then what he has given to the world oh, given okay given to the world in amazing ways because i think i've let um the pain of his humanness in the ways that did cause harm cloud my perception of him. So I'm feeling very tender toward him as a result of this paragraph. It's, it's hard to find someone who, who ha doesn't have that mixture. And um, all of you know about Suzuki Roshi, who's like the father of our lineage. And he, he didn't, he had a very poor connection with his kids. So all the young kids in San Francisco, he had a great connection with. And um, I was just reading about Picasso and um, two of his lovers committed suicide after he discarded them. And one of his kids I know committed suicide. Um, you know, in some ways he was terrible. In some ways he gave fantastic stuff to the world so but it's hard to really find someone who doesn't have the two sides isn't it yeah yeah rothko was an interesting man no, I'll, I'll try to uh, remember to bring you a book about Rothko that you can borrow. Are you saying that to Milan or to me? To Milan. Who did I say? Did I say Nelda? Sorry. Since she just saw the Rothko Chapel. But he was uh, tremendously in pain. And I don't know that his paintings could have happened if he wasn't. I didn't know that. But it makes sense. Um, the very darkness of ancestors can be freeing. Problematic ancestors can help take you to what is dark in yourself, as something life has given you, something to make sense of, a gate into wisdom, and not merely a curse. Perhaps this is why Bodhidharma in paintings is wild and woolly, with a hoop earring, a beard, and intense, bulging eyes. These features are as much a part of his image as Andy Warhol's wig was a part of his. Bodhidharma is the beast with whom beauty on the quest for enlightenment has to live. Here's a story about the way that, that dark ancestors can be of help. A man was working on the koan, no, for some years. That's the koan, does a dog have Buddha nature? 
he noticed how compulsive the mind can be. And for him to bring his mind back to the koan over and over again, many times a minute if necessary, was to gain an enlightenment at the simplest and most fundamental level to survive the debris of the mind. It can be consoling to discover that you don't have to believe in your own thoughts. He considered the poet Robert Lowell to be one of his ancestors. He said, it is because Lowell bore an affliction, manic depression, terrible to himself and to those near to him. And he kept bearing it and did great work. That example helped my courage in bearing my own lesser hardships, my grief, and the way <laughs> my own mind might turn on me at any moment. Mad ancestors could be a help in your own mad moments. There is one more point that Sao Su so is offering, which is this. The cypress tree in the garden might be able to reset some ancient grievances to zero. This is necessary since if everyone needed closure for crimes committed in their previous lifetimes, there could be no time for living. In the Odyssey, after Odysseus has killed the suitors and the suitors' relatives, one satisfaction and the whole revenge cycle is about to start up again. Athenia, the goddess of wisdom, intervenes. She threatens everyone and they make peace. It is as if they forgot to hate each other so th that they can go on with their lives. And I, I think the, um, the idea when we say all our ancient twisted karma is not for us to go into a deep depression. It's to it's set it aside, isn't it? And to move on to the present, acknowledging it, facing it. Oops, where did we go? Okay. Here's a story about one of my ancestors resetting the family myth. You don't know who your ancestors are, do you? Said my great aunt Mary to my sister. Aunt Mary lived in the 19th century worker's cottage her grandfather had built. It was dark paneled and cool and none of the walls was square. There was always a coal fire burning in the grate and a kettle on the coals. No, I don't, replied my sister, hopefully, fluffing up her expectation, sitting down to hear. And you never will, said Aunt Mary, as she tore the front pages out of the family Bible and threw them on the coals. Our ancestors on that side came to Australia in chains, and in Aunt Mary's day, this heritage was whispered about as the convict stain. To say that the past need not bind you was a large thing for her. And she wasn't really ashamed. 
she edited the family story in front of a witness. This has some of the paradoxical effect of Xiaoxiao's cypress tree, as if she were saying, the ancestors tell you not to pay too much attention to the ancestors. It's great. Acknowledging ancestral stories and then seeing them through is part of becoming fully human. Everyone has to work beside someone who hasn't, who was an enemy of their own tribe in ages past. Everyone has an ancestor who did something appalling. The stories you have about your ancestors are stories you have about your own burdens and possibilities and capacity for forgiveness. The Cypress Tree Koan might shift your stories about who you are and limit those stories put on your happiness. You might notice that you get no merit from your good deeds since they are done for their own sake. Also, you are not a victim since no matter how ter terrible your past and how close you might be to despair, the moment of the Cypress Tree is here for you now. Shao cypress tree might take away not the memory of old wrong, but the importance you place on your memory. Wow, that's deep. I like that. Uh, that the last two sentences, also, you're not a victim since no matter how terrible your past and how close you might be to despair, the moment of the cypress tree is here for you now. Zazu's cypress tree might take away not the memory of old Rome, but the importance you place on your Wow. And you see a lot of you see a lot of that nowadays where people claim to be victims of things that happened many, many moons ago. Kim, will you highlight that? Thank you. And the sentence before as well. Thank you. What color would you like it? Oh, whatever you choose. <laughs> and when you do, at least when I do, confront like the tree that Melen was talking about, everything else disappears at that moment, doesn't it? And you're just you're so overwhelmed by this miraculous thing. Did you have that feeling, Malin? That's the feeling I got from you when you... Yes, it was that way. You were in the present then. Mm -hmm. And Malin, the tree wasn't perfect. I mean, it wasn't like perfectly symmetrical and every branch trimmed and like we find some of our Christmas trees that look like a perfect upside down ice cream cone. It uh, sounded more like the chair, didn't it? Yes, yes. But it was perfect. And, it, it, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was perfect. Yeah. And may I make a little digression here? You can even make a big one. <laughs> Maybe it is a big one. So, um. I like this idea about the ancestors, all, all that we are reading here. And uh, I'm 
I also was able to see this Yayoi Kusama um, installation. And this was one that she made when she was 80 years old. Wait, who, who, who's in, who is the artist? Well, in Spanish, is, you pronounce it as Yayoi Kusama, this Japanese woman, very famous Japanese old lady. I don't know if you know. She makes Her, polka dots. Mm -hmm. She's the Japanese uh, modern artist who lived in New York. And she makes lots and lots of drawings of polka dots. Exactly. So, so she has this installation and uh, it mentioned that it was made out of uh, a uh, ritual, Buddhist ritual, where you um, celebrate or I, I don't come with another word um, for your ancestors. So it is kind of beautiful for me to read this and acknowledge your ancestors and figure out that there are many beautiful ways to do that, like with your feeling and your thought and acknowledgement, etc. I will show you later if you want. Yeah. Just a second. I think I just saw one of her pieces. No, it, it was someone else. Okay. Who's reading now? I am. Okay. Mm. For this reason, woman said, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. Woman brings Buddha to life and then disposes of him the way my aunt May did with our ancestors. When you do this, the ancestor leaves gifts, but doesn't get in the way of using them. Bodhidharma can be someone back there and long ago, and that is fine. Yet it is also nice if Bodhidharma is someone here and now. It's not a small matter to have a connection with the old masters available when you need it. And if you open the vial of the koan, it could be that the light you see is the ancient light that was in their hearts. And it could be that just a little bit of light, a shard of light, is enough to change your heart. A little bit could be the whole thing. As well as coming at this koan through the question, you can come at it through the answer. This is really quick. Zhao Zhou pointed to the cypress tree to point to you. What is the cypress tree in your life? And if you yourself are the ancestor, what will you do now?
How do you spell the name of this artist? Y A Y O I. Go slow, go slow. Y. Y A Y O I. That's her first name. Kusama, K U S A M A. Thank you, Millie. I'm trying to find out here. Yes, Melan, I've seen this work, not in person, but how, thank you for bringing her, uh, him, her, her? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. So this one, it says, she marked her 80th birthday with aftermath of obliteration of eternity, the name of her piece, a work that references the annual Buddhist Toro Nagashi water lantern ceremony, ceremony honoring one's ancestor, ancestors. And I like this beautiful thing she puts in the human world what arouses our body and feeling of vital eternity, vital, vitality, sorry, is eternity. I have been living in this eternity where enormous love for humanity passes through and the vast brilliance of life is infinitely reflected. We kept flashing, disappearing, and again, blossoming out in this eternity. So it's kind of the last sentence we read to me, like that you are passing again and again, this as human. And where was this work? Where? In the, in the Modern and Contemporary Art Museum of Houston. So she does a lot of um, infinity mirror rooms. Like you walk yeah. in. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one. She grew up in the countryside of Japan, and she used to draw as a child lots and lots of chrysanthemums and um, flowers and. Um, so her, she has a very strong past in nature. And then she moved to New York City and drew these sort of infinite um, nets and dots. And seems to be living in infinity, basically. As are, as are we. But we just don't know it sometimes. Wait, we're what we're living in infinity? But we just aren't aware of that sometimes. We, we are, are muted, Nelda. Hmm. I can hear Is there you. some can you hear me? Huh? I said we we are living in infinity. We are infinity. We're just not always aware of that. We get very um, centered on 
um, the small, the small eye. Yeah. Milen posted a link to the chat. Kim. I see, and I'm going to share it. But if you go up one, like just a little bit up in that page, you can see this. Yeah, I think that's. Yes, that's. A... So it's just a game of bolts and mirrors. With this metaphor of infinity. Have you seen her work, Emily? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of her work. Um, because um, it it seems like she um, she struggles a lot, she suffers a lot, but she creates these. things that seem rooted in childhood, but yet also that are profound and sort of communicate the experience of infinity. Mm -hmm. I think those are the things that um, speak to me mm -hmm. from her work. She once had uh, an exhibition in a big museum in Mexico City, and it was hundreds and hundreds of people in the line to get in. And that, that was when she became in the 2000, I don't remember the year, like very, very famous with this uh, kind of installation. So I skipped it. I was not able to be in the line, like, you know, for a couple of hours. And it was very nice for me to find this exhibition. Now I visited Houston. Yeah. Well, the piece, only the piece, yeah. And it hit me different, the her work, because she's also a uh women pioneer in the arts and yeah it's kind of forgotten when when she became so famous yeah but um I like this, I like this chapter. It's, um, I, f I feel like I encounter within me and, and I meet a lot of people day to day who try desperately to ignore the, what might be considered the, the painful part of a past of an ancestry. And 
um, it cannot help but come out like the good and the bad parts of our lives. Um, and they must be, I don't know, um, they must be regarded or, or sat with or embraced. Yeah, I don't know if everything is possible to be embraced, but, but they have to be acknowledged. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if they're not, they, they really can tear a person apart. Absolutely. So. In the moment that I said the word embraced, I was talking with someone about Andre the Giant. It's over seven feet tall. We had quite a conversation about Andre Giant and what a gentle man he was. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, there's a story that the one time that he was publicly seen angry was... Um, when someone cut him off into a parking space and then sort of, you know, was rude about having, ha ha, I got you. <laughs> Andre got so upset, he got out of his car and he literally picked this man's car up and put it on its side. <laughs> and then he came back and apologized. And I, I, Kim, were you and I talking? I don't remember who I was talking with about this, but whoever it was, I said, oh my gosh. How do you walk through life when you are so out of the ordinary? I mean, you know, most of us, and he's, he's so huge. How, how, do you, how do you deal with all of the difficulties that you confront just by your mere size? And this, without missing a beat, this person said, you embrace your difference, you embrace it. I thought, oh, that's beautiful. Embrace all that you are, everything that's uh, a challenge, just embrace it, including, including those ancestors who weren't, you know, pristine saints. <laughs> this koan makes a lot more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lovely. How many koans more are there in the book, Nelda? So page, let me let me go back to Well, oh, I have the book too. Somewhere. The table of contents. One, two, three, four. Okay. Four. But there's many more we can read after that in another book, I'm sure. Yes, there's a hundred. That's the okay. next book, maybe. Okay. The book of it's called the Book of Serenity. <gasps> That's the whole bit. But, but the 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 commentary is not as poetic, so that's where I thought we'd find also someone else talking about the koan and read that the commentary is short enough that we would have time to do that too. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. So bye see, bye. see you tomorrow. <laughs> Nelda and Malen, are you going to come to Appamata tomorrow? Yes. Oh, great. Oh, wonderful. See you okay. there. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye, bye, -bye. Everyone. Sleep well. Bye.
Thank you.